and welcome to the DIY Photo Organising Podcast, focusing on topics to help you with your photo management. I am Fiona from Photo Helper. And I am Chantal from Photos in Order. Hi, Fiona. Hey, Chantal. Today, we're very excited. We are talking about a very complex topic, which is hoarding. Mm. And of course, you know, especially in relation to photos, since we're a podcast about photo management and we're going to be chatting about digital and printed photos, but this is not our expertise. So what we have done, we have invited two gorgeous ladies who mm -hmm. are experts in that field and we're very excited to have Angela Aynes and Wendy Haynes from Hoarding Home Solutions here today. So we thought we'd start with a little bit of an intro on these two um, wonderfully knowledgeable ladies and so we can just share with you a little bit of their background and um, prepare you for all of the knowledge that they'll be able to pass on and hopefully help you with today. So Wendy and Angela are veterans of the organising industry while supporting hundreds of clients with complex needs, they recognize a need to educate others and promote a common understanding of best practice in managing hoarding in the community. Combined, they have 30 years of experience and wisdom and they've come together as Hoarding Home Solutions to fill this gap. Hoarding Home Solutions provides practical, affordable and easily accessible training that empowers people on the front line to work effectively with confidence and compassion to resolve hoarding situations. Their innovative solutions focus on getting results and nurturing relationships while keeping everyone safe, healthy and comfortable. Just love that. Through their online training, workshops and speaking events, they've already empowered thousands of frontline service providers and families in this area. So welcome, Wendy and Angela. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a uh, privilege to be able to read that out. <laughs> Such a wealth of knowledge. Um, I'm really excited about this chat today. So um, let's just start off, maybe, um, Angela, I'll start with you. Mm -hmm. If you can just have, um, just share a little bit about yourself and your, your business and how that started and then hand over to, uh, to Wendy and Wendy can also say the same, that'd be great. Sure. Well, Wendy and I both specialise in working with people with complex needs, um, <clears throat> you know, including people who hoard. And we, you know, we spent years going into their homes to, to do that um, and um, figured out ways to, to help. Now, a while back, st people started asking us individually to learn more. Um, we enjoy working together, so we, we got together and started presenting um, live training. You know, we've, we've flown around the country speaking to big groups about training and uh, about hoarding and how people can help. And one day we realised, hang on, this is huge. <laughs> we, can't, we don't have enough time or, um, you know, enough energy to be able to go and, and help every single service provider and outreach worker that wants to know more about how to work effectively um, with practical strategies. Um, so we thought this has to go online. 
And uh, that's how Hoarding Home Solutions was born with its online training. Now it's accessible to everybody all over the world. Mm. Yeah. And um, Angela's covered a lot of it. Um, we did both start, oh, gosh, about 2006 or something. So we've been around. <laughs> We're old timers. Um, and I guess one of the things that's relevant for your listeners who tuned in about photos and things is people organize differently. Um, a lot of us who are organizers think about organizing being a really logical linear process. You just do this and then you just do this and then you do this and then this happens. And what we've learned in our length of experience is that a lot of people aren't those sort of learners or organizers. So it's really important to understand your own learning style or the style of the person that you're trying to help so that you're not fighting against it. So if you're a really emotional learner, um, you know, using more emotional organizing techniques, even when it comes to your photos, is going to be helpful. You're not going to be beating yourself up. Why can't I just do this? Why can't I get it done? And that's really the essence of a lot of what we teach is working, meeting people where they're at and working with their style. Wendy, can I ask, that sounds so, that rings true to me. (laughs) And and with the experience of just meeting so many different people and and they're all at such different places, Mm -hmm. does the training help people identify where they are at in, 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 that, in that sort of style? To, because maybe some people don't know what their style is. Our training is for the people who support the people who hoard. Right. And so what we're doing is opening their eyes to those different um, learning modalities and um, different places where their people are, where they're at in their, um, the change model. And so when you take into account their style and where they're at in terms of their willingness to change it gives you a lot of information about how to proceed without knocking your head against a wall and making them want to throw you out (laughs) (laughs) so can you tell us a bit about you know how common is that the the hoarding disorder or the chronic disorganization Well, um, research has shown that um, it's estimated that 5% of the population is affected by hoarding. Now, that's quite a large percentage. If you look at any average suburban street and how many houses there are, 5% will be affected in some way by hoarding. And, of course, that means the the there may be one person in there with hoarding behaviour and it's affecting everybody they live with. It's affecting the next door neighbours if it's gotten to a fire hazard kind of stage and it's affecting the community. And, you know, that individual with the hoarding behaviour, they probably don't want to have these compulsions, but, you know, it affects their socialisation, their connection with community, their health. Um, often you'll see somebody who can't sleep in their bed comfortably, so they sleep in an upright chair. Um, maybe they have mobility issues and there are tripping hazards and so on in the home. So it is a serious concern apart from, you know, the, 
<laughs> it's not just um, something to be gawked at on TV. <laughs> mm. um, it is, you know, it does affect everybody that's that's connected to that um, person with the hoarding disorder. And do you find from your experience that this is across all areas of their life if, um, if someone has a hoarding disorder or is it targeted at certain types of areas? So obviously, you know, we're talking about photos, but this is, it would be uncommon, I'm assuming, and this is why I'm asking the question, I guess, um, if, if it's just one area, say in the photo area or really across your experiences across, you know, households, yeah. but is it sort of, yeah, just sort of across all areas of their life or mainly in sort of one, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, does it, it make sense what I'm asking? <laughs> it does, it does. And there's a, uh, people have a stereotype um, idea in their head often of what sort of people hoard you know they grew up in the depression and they're elderly and they're uneducated and they're poor and, and, and all those sort of stereotypes which isn't actually the case because some people whose home is up to the squalid stage of hoarding are actually going out into the world and um, doing quite complex jobs like maybe a barrister or a bank manager or a school teacher or those sort of things and they're going out and almost leading a double life and they can function quite well in an environment uh, where they're an expert and it's structured and that sort of thing but at home where they've got some faulty beliefs around you know sentimentality or the environment or or you know um waste and that sort of thing then then they're not functioning well so a lot of times people who hoard are um you know they're out in the community acting like everybody else but making excuses not to bring someone into their home and i think it's the the people who struggle particularly with um sentimental attachments where the photos will become an extra, extra difficulty. And then, you know, the perfectionism thing, uh, photos take such, so much fine work, that perfectionism thing can kick in too. And, you know, maybe Angela wants to talk about perfectionism. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Can you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I'll put my hand up and call myself a recovering perfectionist. Um <laughs> Perfectionism creeps in to people's thinking when it's um, basically all or nothing. You know, I can't start to organise my photos because there's 25 boxes of them and I'm going to need a whole weekend and I don't have a whole weekend, so I won't start. Mm -hmm. and, and or they might start um, and, and, and get overwhelmed and then give up and it's in more of a mess than it was before. Um, so, you know, it is a constant battle against this perfectionist thinking. Um, I have to find the perfect time. I, I, I have, I've read a blog about a perfect scanner that will help me. Um, I've, read, I've read about these perfect containers and I have to buy those containers and then I'll be organised. But the difficulty is bringing in the containers is adding to the hoard and the mess at home. Um, and then taking action 
if you're a perfectionist, again, searching for that perfect time to organise them into uh, perfect chronology, perfect, you know, all of that perfect world. Now, Wendy, I know you have a story about um, somebody who had five boxes of receipts. They're not photos, but I remember you told me. They weren't boxes. They weren't shoe boxes. They were the 60-litre tubs. They were big. Wow. <laughs> and, oh, no, I'm just waiting till I, I get the right scanner because I could scan them all in and then use um, software to search and then organize them and then decide what to discard. <laughs> so you get all these really convoluted, complex processes that are just like, that's, no. <laughs> Most of these are Woolworths receipts. They can go. <laughs> right. And so it's really learning um, to, de to determine what is really at the heart of what's needed yeah to be kept yeah. and I would assume that that's quite difficult for people to get to on their own well people who hoard with um particularly those who who have sentimental attachments or feel or like more we all have sentimental attachments but those are very disproportionate um I had a gentleman say to me just last week we were looking at some photos and I said who is that um who, who is that child and he said I have no idea but I couldn't throw it out because that would be like throwing the child away oh. and you know so for him the photo he couldn't he was paralyzed to deal with it because he felt like he was you know ending this child's life by throwing away a photo of them which very disproportionate belief we're dealing with there yeah. Um, but also if they're the keeper of the family history or they have decided that, you know, they're the, the child that loved the parents enough to keep all the parents' stuff when the others just said, oh, I don't, you know, I just want this and this. Um, but they're the ones who, who have demonstrated their love of their parents by keeping everything. Then the photos are going to be tied up in that as well. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a very complicated area. Yeah. so how often like when you're working with a client when do the photos come into play I imagine this is not the first time uh, the first thing that people would would want to declutter or organize or go through it's it's usually more probably at the you know something you do last or how is that in reality in practical terms um I'll 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 speak to that. Like when we're working with really serious hoarding situations, our first priority is safety of the person and the other people in the home and the people around them. So we are looking at the low-hanging fruit and photos are never low-hanging fruit. <laughs> They're always complicated. And, you know, you'd have to touch a thousand photos to make it a, a difference in a space. So really the what we um do when we're looking at things like that paper photos any of that is try to get them contained safely um, whether it's in big tubs or whatever just get them contained safely but not necessarily go through them um, in the early stages because it's very time consuming and very difficult yeah it is. Um, so it's really just getting them together and one of the things that people who hoard 
tend to struggle with is breaking things into appropriate categories. So it's hard for them to say, I'm going to put all photos in that tub or I'm going to you know, put all papers in that tub because their impulse is to see every single thing as unique. And, you know, like, uh, well, let's talk about candy wrappers. Well, this is a Mars bar wrapper, so it can't go with the Snickers wrapper because Snickers has peanuts and Mars doesn't. And so that like that level of detail that they want to categorize in is also a stumbling block to um, sorting the photos into, you know, groups that make sense. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually, because um, that is a big part of where we come from when we're talking about gathering all of our digital um, devices. So that would be, you know, USBs and um, CDs or old external hard drives or even phones or things like that. Um, and then again with our printed stuff, so maybe loose photos or albums or scrapbooks. And so um, that's really interesting and something that's really um, helpful to know. I think that that's, that's something that could be helpful for others just to identify that there, that there could be some other underlying reasons why that is difficult. Mm. Which brings us to the question of, of help. So if there was a family member or somebody that was, you know, aware that this was a situation for someone, what sort of things could they do? The first step I would say is, you know, contact the two of you and your and some of your resources. Yeah, but um, could you just share a little bit, maybe Angela, about uh, what people can do to help in this situation? Well, we do have um, <clears throat> three um, different courses uh, with our online training, and one of them is directed right at the family and friends and how they can help their loved ones. Because people often are very willing, they want to, to help, but often can, you know, <laughs> tread on toes, overstep, um, go too fast, you know, try and push people to, um, to do things they don't want to do. So we talk about the strategies that do work. So that's one thing. On our website, um, there are some free resources that people can pick up, um, things like uh, how to talk to somebody, how to have that first initial con conversation. Um, but another really practical thing that people can do is to be a body double. And so that is simply... Being there with the person, you know, once they're willing to work on something and let's say it is photos, um, to, to just be there as a quiet, um, like a somebody to hold the space for them, be an anchor, keep them at the task when it gets boring, distressing. Um, you know, some people who are bored have had trauma in their lives. So going through photos might actually bring up some of that trauma um, and having somebody there that's trusted um, that is not sort of nagging um, hey you don't want this one hey 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 you know this is blurry you know let's chuck it out when perhaps it's the only photo they've got of their grandparent so um, you know mm. but a body double is a really um, useful person and strategy to have um, when you're working with people um, who hoard. Yeah. 
Another strategy that I'm just building on that is to make a discard agreement with them before you start. Um, away from the photos, away from the emotion of the photos and say, okay, well, if a photo, if we don't recognize anyone in the photo, you know, maybe it can go. If it's um, a landscape that is not remarkable, <laughs> it could go. Um, you know, if it's got this person that we hate now, <laughs> Okay. I'm just making things up, but you, you do that discard agreement prior to sitting with the photos and that will make those decisions easier. And it'll even give the person who's helping um, the ability to make some decisions mm -hmm. that are transparent and speed the process along. I think that's a great strategy, even for people who don't hoard. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a good strategy with all of, all of our clients with a whole lot of things because while we're not sitting in the emotion of the stuff around us, we can have a lot more clarity about what's important. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So um, are there any other strategies? I like those two. So we've got the body double and the discard agreement. I was going to ask um, if there was if there's things that we don't want to do, but was there anything else particular that comes to mind first? Well, try? Well, I'm just thinking, you know, I don't know whether this falls in the do or don't, but I, I hate the acronym Ohio, only handle it once. It does my head in because sometimes we have to take a few passes to get things right. And if we're, if we're going to, you know, only handle it once, we're going to cripple ourselves with the um, perfectionism and decision-making and, I prefer the space acronym that Julie Morgenstern coined, the sort, purge, assign a home, you know, containerize, equalize, because we may need to sort a number of times. And even for those of us who are quite logical, linear thinkers, with photos, it's like, well, this is the Haynes family, but this is the Haynes family in Hawaii in 2004. So do I put it under hands or do I put it under holiday so we're gonna you know we're gonna have to have a few passes at how we want to do this that's really good to hear because it's actually something especially when sorting um printed photos I always say to decline and prepare them that this is an exception from the touch once rule because <laughs> there's no way we can do that we need to go through multiple times and it's so much easier for anybody. It's it's easier to process. Mm. Um, I find so that's a really good tip. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes too, we you know, it's not until we know the full extent of what we have that we can make a decision about whether we're discarding something. Yeah. And I think it's the same across, you know, whether it's photos or or clothes. You know, yeah. if we're not sure how many tops yeah. we have yet, then. Um, you know, or photos of our grandparents, you know, whether we keep all of them or or we've only got one or, you know, we really just, yeah, assessing the situation, I think. is Yeah. And, you know, asking people to do that is just giving them the analysis paralysis. So if you're holding up six random photos and saying, do you want to keep this? Do you want to keep this? Do you want to keep this? They're going to have that analysis paralysis and they're going to feel quite badgered. But if you group all the grandparents' photos together and then say, let's choose our favourites, or let's choose your favourites, um, that's much more gentle and enjoyable process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So being sensitive to um, to people that that do have a, a you know a hoarding um, disorder uh, and difficulty in this area, what are some things that uh, listeners could be aware of? I think in general, obviously, you know, we're talking about photos, but what are some of the principles that that you could impart to us that would be mindful of when helping others? Well. You, you always want to lead with compassion. Um, as I said, some people have had uh, trauma in their lives and that's what's um, made them turn to hoarding behaviours as a, a coping mechanism or perhaps they grew up surrounded by extreme clutter and they don't know another way. So lead with compassion. Understand this is not something they're doing belligerently, you know. <laughs> um, some people who hoard can be belligerent, but it's, but it's not something that they're trying to, um, you know, self-destruct. They, they struggle. And they often will have um, different levels of readiness for change. And, you know, just because someone's ready to, have, to make some change this week doesn't mean they will be next week. You know, you have a bad day, you fall off the diet wagon it's the same thing with with the um any kind of positive change uh, behavior change so we want to be aware of where they are with their uh, willingness to change where they are with their capacity to change because some people see they just can't if they're crippled by um obsessive compulsive disorder or um, some other thing that is that is uh, contributing to, to their hoarding behaviours, um, it may just be beyond them to make too many changes. So we need to be aware of those. What, what else would you add, Wendy? Well, I'd say, you know, how much is good enough? What's good enough? That's is maybe just keeping everything in one place safe. That that's good enough and let's aim for good enough <laughs> instead of completely done and the other thing I'd say um, that people will encounter if they're helping their elderly parents or loved ones is they may have decided in their mind that their mother or whoever is a hoarder because she's got all this stuff around her um, and in reality it might just be passive decline she's just lost the energy the motivation maybe the eyesight or whatever to do these jobs so we're actually not dealing with hoarding we're dealing with passive decline and um, in that case the assistance is very very welcome and the other thing I'd say particularly about elderly people is um, they're at a point in their life where they're trying to recon reconcile what their life was about. And so we have to be really, really patient because this isn't necessarily about sorting the photos. The, the stories that they want to tell you that you go, let's just sort the photos. I don't want to hear all the stories. The stories are that, that photos are the catalyst for them to tell the stories that help them make sense of their life and their legacy. So it's not really about the process of getting the photos in order. It's about the process of them coming to that, you know, in this end of life activity that, that they need to do for their own peace of mind. 
I love that, Wendy. I think that is so um, insightful and it, it just allows, uh, you know, to reframe the intention of the exercise of, of any organising really and, you know, with photos, it is really reframing that intention. What's our purpose here? Are we here to have the most squeaky clean, chronological, tagged, flagged process and, you know, little smiling system we've ever seen? <laughs> I've never seen it on the gravestone. She had the most organised photos. <laughs> she had the most organised pantry. <laughs> I know and you know and just with those with those stories you know Chantelle and I've talked about this a lot haven't we Chantelle um it really is the uh the goal to to be able to express and 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 you know often that is having a space uh where you can as you're going through the organizing process and those stories do come up, it's capturing them in a way that they can then relive them and enjoy enjoy that again, say, if somebody else is in the house or, you know, they've brought those, those memories back and uh, it's lovely to be able to then, you know, take it that step. And, and when it is in a, in, a, in a format that they can revisit easily, um, whatever level of organisation that looks like. But, yeah, that's um, – I'm going to listen back to this podcast myself and actually get exactly the words you said because <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> uh, that's good. So, um, so where can people find the two of you if they're – looking to help i'm sure that they're most likely um have been intrigued hopefully and you know if this is something for themselves that they might find interesting or definitely for others what can they do well they can go to um hoardinghomesolutions.com.au and have a look around as i said earlier there is um a page there with free resources there's also a, a find a provider page which if somebody would like help um, with their hoarding, we have listed there people that have taken our training. So you don't get on that provider directory unless you've done the online training with us and successfully completed it. Um, so uh, you can search by location to, to find somebody to help. Um, there, as I said, also there are three online courses. There's one for independent service providers like organisers. Um, there's one for uh, case managers and uh, social workers and other support professionals. But there's the one for family and friends, which I feel, you know, would be probably who's <laughs> listening into this podcast. So if they know somebody and they want to know how best to help, um, you know, there's a 12-module course that uh, takes around 12 hours to complete and they can um, get a lot of interesting practical strategies like the discard agreement, like body doubling, but lots more as well that they can put into practice and, yeah. Can I ask something, Angela or Wendy, either one? Uh, the course you just mentioned for friends and family. So what about if a listener feels that they themselves have a hoarding issue? Mm -hmm. 
would that be also a helpful course for them or is it really only for people who want to help someone with a hoarding disorder? We have had people who hoard and they, they let us know um, take the course themselves and they did learn some strategies. One lady said, um, well, it helps me know how to direct the people that are working with me. I I kind of tr I tried to convince her that they're the ones that are supposed to take the course, but um, she insisted. And, you know, of course, we're not going to stop anybody from buying it, but really it is aimed at the people who, who want to help. Um, there are lots of blogs that we've written that people might find useful to, to read about. Um, we have um, a, a resident um, person that we write about every month called Cat who struggles with hoarding disorder and, um, you know, she has adventures along the way and some things help and some things don't. So there's lots to read about with Kat. Mm, is she a fictitious character? Yes. She is, is indeed. <laughs> experiences that you have both had. Yeah. <laughs> That's fabulous. Wonderful. Well, that has been so insightful. I've really, I've taken about two or three pages of notes here myself. <laughs> um, I'm really interested just in some of the background. Where have you been able to glean some of this information? I know it's a very complex area like, like it's uh, you've expressed. What's been your sort of foundation for a lot of the principles? I think a starting point was the Institute for Challenging Disorganization, which is based in the US. And um, I've worked personally, I've worked through the levels of accreditation there and I'm now um, hoping to complete my master trainer accreditation this year. But there, there's been a good foundation that's come out from there. I think um, and Angela's participated in a lot of their training as well. Uh, we, we both read everything new that comes out and stay ahead of um, all the latest research and information. And, and working with clients has and collaborating with people like uh, Dr. Chris Mogan here in Melbourne and um, Sandra Pankhurst when she was still alive. Um, those experiences have helped us develop a, a lot of the practical strategies that we have written about. And it, it's quite interesting that we've been able to do some things that haven't been seen or done before. And um, just last year, we presented at the Philadelphia Hoarding Task Force and, and gave some new information that we had developed ourselves just from pulling together all the latest information and research and then overlaying that with our own experience out in the field. So that's, that's where you get a lot of the learning is just the day in, day out with people. Yeah, yeah. That's fabulous. Yep. Angela, you were going to say something? Well, and Wendy mentioned that she's collaborated with Chris Mogan and Sandra Pankhurst and, and collaboration is one of the things that we know work with people who board. The more people helping um, the, the higher the success rate and the more different kinds of help. So it might be, you know, um, an organiser helping as well as mental health professional, as well as a disability support worker. Um, and each, each one brings a different 
um, perspective and a different expertise that can really work together to help to help in that situation. That's what we are all about. Is we want to spread the word that um, there is hope out yeah. there. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I feel that. So, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely have and I, you know, I really hope and, and I, I, I believe that this has been a really uh, great, you know, talk to, to be able to educate and just enlighten others and just give them that hope too. That, um, you know, if they're listening and they either have, this is something that they've struggled with themselves or they know of someone, like you say, 5% is, um, is really a high number. So there's definitely uh, a lot of people out there that will be able to resonate with what you've both been saying. Mm. Yep. Thanks so much for joining us today. Mm. Thanks for the invitation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been great. So, um, so thanks very much for listening to our lovely listeners. Um, thank you again to, to Wendy and to Angela. Um, and just to remind everyone that we'd love to um, have you pop over to the website. We've got all the show notes. We'll put links in there um, so that you can uh, have a look through um, the website, see if there's any courses in there that might be suitable for you or others that you know. Um, and also have a look at those resources that are available and yeah just do a bit of exploring there as well so we'll have all of that available to you um, and as always we'd love to hear if you've got any questions or feedback for us just pop it um, through all of our different channels or even just respond back to the newsletter that we send out and if there's anything else Chantelle have I forgotten anything <laughs> I don't think so. The list gets longer and longer. I know. <laughs> like tick, tick, tick. I think we've got everything. All right. So, Wendy, thank you so much. And Angela, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you both here today. Um, and I am Fiona from Photo Helper. Thanks for joining. And I'm Chantelle from Photos in Order. And, yes, I have to thank you too, ladies. Thanks so much for coming on. And to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in and happy photo organising. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.